to hear what you have for us to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I've got this table here so that I can lay this silly cane up on top of it because the last two times I preached it fell over and just made an awful racket. <laughs> and I don't want no more racket today. We've had enough racket as it is. Okay. Hi. God bless you all for being here today. This is wonderful. I'm really glad to see everybody. Such a beautiful, sunshiny day. Mercy. I love sunshine. It's wonderful. Yes, it's good. I'm going to talk to you today about um, loopholes. Do you know what loopholes are? Do you know what a loophole is? The dictionary defines it as uh, a means of escape or evasion or an opportunity of evading like a rule or a law kind of thing. There's a, a number of loopholes in the tax laws where, government, where corporations can save money and not pay tax. So that's, that's one kind of a loophole. Now I'm going to talk to you about another one. Um, and this is from the Gospel of Luke about the, um, the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, it says this. And this I'm reading this from the, from the Message Bible. Um, just then, a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. And he says, Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, Well, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? And the scholar said, Well, that you love God, that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence, and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Do you love God with all your muscle? <laughs> That's a cool one. And Jesus said, good answer. Good answer. Do that and you'll live. But looking for a loophole, the scholar asked, and just how would you define my neighbor? Can't you just hear that supercilious snarl in his voice? Jesus answered by telling a story. There once was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, they beat him up, and they went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw the guy, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. But a Samaritan traveling down the road came upon him, and when he saw the man's condition... His heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him up onto his own donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him, and if it costs any more money, put it on my bill and I'll pay you on the way back. Now, this, this shows me something about this Samaritan, that he, was, that he had good enough character with that innkeeper that he could go away, take care of his business, and come back and pay the next part of the bill if necessary. So that's, that's one thing to remember about that Samaritan. And then Jesus says, what do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? And the scholar said, well, the one who treated him kindly. And Jesus says, you go and do the same. Now how often... Do we go looking for loopholes? A place or a thought or idea that will give us an out or an escape plan for not following what we hear in the spirit. Ouch. 
Ouch, my toes are hurting already. <laughs> so let's look at each one of these holy people. There was the religious scholar who was asking the question. Then in Jesus' parable, there was the priest who was anointed to represent the people to God and to represent God to the people. And then another Levite descended from the tribe of Levi, Levi, one of Jacob's sons, and in the line of Aaron, the anointed priest of Moses' time. And then finally, we have the Samaritan, who was the outcast. Now, each of these were behaving in accordance to what they had been told by exclusionist religionizers. Isn't that a mouthful? <laughs> I love when the Lord puts stuff like that in my head. It's like, okay, all right, that's, what does that mean? <laughs> these are people who had been taught to keep out the riffraff of their day, namely the Samaritans. And frankly, the Samaritans felt the same way about the Judeans. Each group disavowed the other one, despised the other one for their way of religious beliefs and practices. Ouch. Now Jesus comes along and he begins to blow the minds of the ones who thought they had it all figured out who thought that their way was supremely favored by God and so elevated them above anyone who thought or worshipped differently. Do we ever get like that? How often do we go looking for loopholes when God tells us to love people? Well, just look at him. He would never worship God in the correct manner. <laughs> and that one, why, she just reeks of unholiness. Oh, and I just can't be bothered with ignorant people. Well, God knows their need. I don't have to be involved. Well, I'll pray for them. That's the best thing. Yeah, praying for people is really a great thing to do. But, but is it enough? James, that we keep studying over and over and over, says this in chapter 2 of his epistle. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit you? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Now that's in the King James, and that, that sounds okay, but... Listen to what, how it read, reads in the Message Bible. Dear friends, do not think you'll ever get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything. Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can al And James goes on, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, Sounds good, you take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast, he says. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works 
works and faith, they fit together like a hand and glove. Do I hear you professing to be, to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does that do them? Use your heads, James says. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Ow. (laughs) And he goes on in verse 26. He says, the very moment that you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. Wow. A corpse. A dead body. Lifeless, no spirit, no movement, no procreation, no witnessing about God's love and provision, nothing, just a corpse. It's the spirit of God that brings life. The selfish spirit of man always brings death and decay. So let's look again at the story of this good Samaritan. The priest and the Levite in the parable and the scholar asking the question, who's my neighbor? The first two in that story thought of themselves as being holy, not associating with unclean people, blood-stained, thinking maybe that he was only another robber who had fallen out with his gang. Maybe that's what they thought, and they didn't want to have anything to do with him, besides seeing that he was bloody and broken, which was against their law to, to associate with. You couldn't touch anything bloody because that made you unclean. And then you'd have to go through all the ritual of getting cleansed all over again. Blah, 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 blah. And then for the scholar asking the question, trying to bolster his own ego by trying to give a hard-line definition of who the neighbor was so he could be excused for not at siding with the injured man, looking for his loophole. But the Samaritan, despised by these holy people, He was the one who actually demonstrated holiness. He didn't look for loopholes. He didn't think that wretched, bleeding man was unclean. He didn't think his time was too important to stop to help. He didn't ask the Lord who was his neighbor. He just did what was righteous from his heart. And this is the kind of heart that God looks on with pride, for it's a heart after his own. Now let's look at another set of verses from James chapter 1 where he says, Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror and walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. That kind of, (laughs) I love this, that kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion 
the kind that passes muster before God the Father is this, reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from this godless world. So let's look at our own hearts. What do we see? What does God see? Are we loophole seekers or are we seekers after God's will? Are we willing to get our hands dirty? Are we willing to step outside of our comfort zones and reach out to the hurting and damaged people? Are we willing to tell others about the marvelous love of God? Are we willing to put our money where our mouth is? No, this is not a message about money. It's about not looking for a way out of what God has called us to do. We're to be like David, as Julie taught us last week, with hearts filled with boldness, the boldness of knowing that God is on our side, that we are not meek little shepherd boys, but we are giant killers, willing to put our faith, our talents, our hearts out there where we can meet needs and destroy the works of the enemy, not looking for loopholes. Now, my message is really short this week, but I want you to take this next few minutes and this next whole week and look at the ways and methods of doing church. Are we looking for ways out of doing something? Are we looking at people's unworthiness to receive what we have to offer? Are we too busy to interact with people who are hurting? Are we being big mud puddles instead of rivers of living water? Let's all spend some time this week asking God, what is my part? Let's spend time this week asking the Lord, who is my neighbor? Let's spend some time this week asking Father to close all the loopholes. Then let us even spend more time asking for forgiveness for our attitudes and another opportunity to actually go and be a neighbor to those around us. Okay? And a good place to start is by letting us know that something I forgot to mention last week when I was leaving, but I did send a WhatsApp message out. If you're going to be available to help with our next outreach <laughs> on March 25th, it's a food and quiz night, and there's plenty of time to check your calendars and get back to us, but we do need to know if you're going to be available so we can finalize plans for this event. Okay? Now, how many really want to look inside your heart and see if there's any loopholes. Meek little hands go. <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't know if I want to know that or not. <laughs> but we do need to. We need to find out where we're falling down, where we're, where we're missing the mark. Yes, God forgives us and God loves us and he, he already knows about all the loopholes that we fall into. He knew about all that stuff before he even called us, before he even saved us. He knew what was coming. He knew it all, so we're not going to surprise him by anything that we come up with. But let him surprise us with his forgiveness and his love and his mercy 
and his teaching us to go forward, to close the loopholes and to do what he's asked us to do. There's a scripture that I really love, and I don't remember where it's at, but it says that he wants to lead us with his eye. Thank you, Ann. That's wonderful. It, it's when, you know, when, when you see somebody and you know, you know you're in a party or you're in a big room and, you, and you're, you're looking at somebody specific and you, you're really attuned with them and they just keep glancing over at somebody and you follow along with their eye and you think, oh, that person needs prayer and you go and do it. That's what God wants from us. When he's looking at somebody and we catch that glance that we follow his eye That's how he leads us, by his eye. We want to be led by his eyes, by what he sees, by the things that that are on his heart. So this week, let's close the loopholes. Let's ask for what's next. Let's be like giant killers. In Jesus' name.